This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I am your host, Brother Joe Carpenter, and today I get the privilege of sitting in the studio here at Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church with my senior pastor and my friend, Brother John O. Sims. Brother, how are you today? Thanks for asking, brother. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. doing great. It's I love Christmas. I, I love this Christmas season. Uh, we're getting to the tail end of hunting season, but I'm still enjoying that. The weather has been odd, but it's yeah. still been nice. And yeah. man, just the Christmas lights all around and all of that. Uh, I love it. I enjoy Christmas music. I kind of have a little tradition. We have a hunting lease in Illinois and mm-hmm. we go up there in the rut in November and uh, that's pretty early, you mm-hmm. know. And I change all my music over to Christmas music. I've always done that, and I listen to Christmas music all the way up there and back. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that, you know, last of November and all of December, we sing we sing Christmas uh, worship songs in church. Mm-hmm. And um, we did that yesterday, and mm-hmm. just a special, special time of the year. This is totally unscripted, but let's see if you can do it. So, what is your favorite Christmas hymn or song? My goodness. Or do you um, have a favorite? They're all they're That's all so hard. I love the first Noel. Hmm. I just love that song about the announcement of the birth of Jesus, and hmm. uh, it's just a beautiful hymn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, I, I love them all. Yeah. It's hard to nail them down, isn't it? Is. It is. Oh, Come, Oh, Come, Emmanuel has always been one of my favorites. It really is. <clears throat> yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, it's good to catch up with you then. Uh uh, we're kind of coming it to the end of a season where we've been a little bit out of pocket. There's been vacations for both you and I and Ryan, I think, is even in there. And we've been here and there, and so we're kind of coming back together, and that's been nice. But even as uh, recent as last week, you were out uh, preaching a revival series up at uh, or down at uh, Holly Pond. And, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your trip there. Well, it's the First Baptist Church of Holly Pond, Alabama. It's in the Coleman, Alabama area. Um the pastor is a faithful brother, a friend of mine that I love very, very dearly, uh, Benjamin Smothers. Hmm. He's married to just a sweet pastor's wife, Jada. I love her so much. And they have five children, and hmm. I view my life through the lens of their family a little bit. It so <laughs> takes me back to when Kayla and I uh, were younger and had five young children, five babies in hmm. our home. And uh, it was just a joy to be there. This is a faithful brother. Mm. Like I said, he's been the pastor of that church for 13 years. Mm. Um, we kind of had our split, our division in our church early on, mm-hmm. two years in. Theirs happened in 2020. Oh, boy. So it's relatively later, you know, in the in the process there. Um, he would have already been that church 11 years, I guess, mm. you know, when that, when that happened. And so... They have come through on the other side, um, uh, just a lot of young families in their church with children and hmm. a lot of signs of health, biblically speaking. Um, this guy's a verse-by-verse expositor. Amen. They have built the church on the Word of God, hmm. and um, I, I know the wounds are still fresh from hmm. you know, uh, the, the division that they've, that they've recently went through, but... Um, it would have never been the Lord's church without that. And, yeah. and I can see so much of what they're going through, what we went through. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's building this church, <laughs> and it's painful. It's not without some heartbreaks and disappointments. But I was very encouraged 
uh, to be with them last week. Uh, you can tell they've got an expositor in the pulpit because mm-hmm. the way they listened to the word when I preached, mm-hmm. um, the comments that were substantial and biblically saturated that I received after I preached. Amen. You just don't get that anywhere. Yeah. And uh, so it was a joy uh, to be down there with them. I was Sunday through Wednesday, and uh, I left down there Wednesday night right after I preached mm. to get back home because Kayla had surgery mm-hmm. uh, on Friday. So we just had a day in between to kind of get our house in order there. And Is she doing okay? She's doing okay. She had her gallbladder removed, uh, ended up having a lot of stones, 20 to 30 stones that were there and hmm. she she has struggled for the last year with a lot of sickness mm-hmm. nausea and so we're just rejoicing that we didn't have an emergency Amen. and there wasn't a blockage or something like that and she's home recovering today good but so it's been kind of been fast-paced yeah and then yesterday you were able to come back and it was interesting uh, i sat around with our family watching the army navy game on saturday uh, which was a tough loss. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as we were sitting there, uh, one of my sons asked, they said, is Brother Jono going to be preaching tomorrow? And I said, yeah. I said, he's going to be back in Revelation 16. And no joke, my mom, two of my boys just like cheered yeah. out loud. Now, as, as the brother who was helping to fill in for you while you were gone, that I didn't know how <laughs> to take all that. But But there's a thrill that comes over the hearts of the church when we kind of get to come back in and hunker down and get back into that consistent diet of expository preaching. We're getting back into the book of Revelation, and it was wonderful. It was for me. Uh, there's some other things I know we want to talk about, too, with one service. Sure. I, I think yeah. it would be good to let our readers, our listeners, catch up with that. But yep. one thing I want to say, because this is, we call this podcast The Faithful Expositor, you know, I always say Sunday's coming. Yeah. And that's just the, it's a joy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we basically... I write two doctoral dissertations a week. Now you chew on that, you exactly. know. Exactly. But expository preaching is 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 it's rigorous. It's involved. It's difficult. It's hard. But it's also so rewarding. Mm-hmm. So I'm down in Holly Pond, uh, you know, and I'm preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, trying to be faithful. And 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 I was mostly prepared before mm-hmm. I got there. Mm-hmm. The Lord always changes things and changes messages and leads you in a different direction. But but in the mornings, I was reading intensively. I had read a little bit before arriving down there. Mm-hmm. But all day Monday and all day Tuesday, I was deep into the text, <clears throat> Revelation 16, that I preached here yesterday, mm-hmm. reading. Um, and then I started manuscripting on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I uh, took Thursday off to be with Kayla, and then Friday, uh, while she's in surgery, I'm in the waiting room with a laptop computer and study books, and people around me were gracious enough to let me take a couple of chairs on both sides of me, and you know, I tried to sit where a plug was so I could plug my computer in, and I'm over there manuscripting. I finished that sermon in the waiting room of the hospital. And sure, it's okay some weeks. I want to be careful to say to preach something you've preached before. Yeah. And that's completely permissible when your back's against the wall in a situation like that. But mm-hmm. I had been away, and I just had a burning zeal and a desire in my heart to get back to the book of Revelation. Mm. And so have mercy on your pastor. Pray for him. Amen. Uh, he's always under 
a deadline. That's right. We live our lives under the looming of Sunday is coming. And, it, mm. boy, the older you get, it seems like every day is Sunday. Mm. Mm. You just, you know, you're always studying. My mm. girls will call me up, Dad, what are you doing today? I'm studying. Mm. Dad, what are you doing today? I'm studying. Mm. Hey, Dad, what you doing? I'm studying. <laughs> you know, that's my life. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Yeah. But just, just imagine, you know, having two or three most of my ministry three mm-hmm. now I'm back to two expositions a week that you have to be prepared for mm-hmm. and in a in a very intensive book like Revelation you can't just hit a lick at a stick right man yeah. you've got to read and study and even then you go to the pulpit saying Lord I hope I'm getting this right yeah amen. there's I mean there's so many opinions and so many voices out there yeah it's just very humbling mm-hmm Amen. Amen. And then you're going to uh, do what you've counseled us to do before, too, and that's to, you're going to take a, a slight break from that next Sunday. We're going to preach a, a Christmas message. Right. Uh, the Sunday after that is Christmas Sunday, and so we're going to have the Lord's Supper that day. Yes. And uh, I think we've talked about that on this uh, podcast before. We dedicate the entire service to that, 100%. to the Lord's Supper. We believe yes. it's worthy of it, and uh, you'll preach probably from 1 Corinthians 11 or one of those mm-hmm. Lord's Supper right. uh, passages of Scripture. Yes. And uh, very thankful for that. We've been announcing that to the church body, too, uh, about a month out, just being preparing your hearts and examine yourself. Uh, and and so I it's don't good. know any other way that you can do that, Yeah, having the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Right. Now, if you want to do that, and it's purely an elective choice, we're not commanded by Scripture. Absolutely. To do that. But if you want to do that... I, I, that's fine. I just don't know how you emphasize and and draw the level of importance to mm-hmm. the Lord's Supper that it must receive. Yeah. And so I wish people could come here and be a part of one of our Lord's Supper services and know and mm-hmm. see and experience that it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's the highest importance. Yeah. It's the complete soul focus. And our people have been preparing for weeks yeah. to be ready to come to that Lord's Supper service. So I'm really, really looking. And it's very special to be able to do it on Christmas Day. Oh, it is, yeah. It's like an anchor. It is. It's kind of how I view it. It, uh, uh, It's an anchor that just kind of holds you fast uh, throughout the year that we keep coming back to that, keep coming back to that, remembering uh, who he is and what he's done. You know, the week before I went down to Holly Pond, I preached the Ephesians 5, uh, loving the local church message, and I preached it down there. And that's one of the remedies that, Paul gives when you leave your first love. Mm-hmm. He says, remember from where you are fallen and repent. Mm-hmm. And I had a man come up to me at that church. I just thought I'd throw this out at Holly Pond. And he said, you know, my heart is cold. How, how, how can I, you know, battle this? And I use the Lord's Supper as an illustration. Mm-hmm. How God uses the Lord's Supper. I, I know if this is the truth for you. Mm-hmm. Whenever we have the Lord's Supper, brother, it, it rekindles my love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it melts my carnality and my sinfulness and and it brings me back into close communion with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Remembering is so vital. Mm -hmm. Remembering is so important. And the Lord's Supper is a tool Mm -hmm. that God uses to pull me back to my first love again, 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 and again. Amen. And I believe it's that for the whole church family too. That's the consistent testimony I'm hearing about it. Right. Well, yesterday I wasn't able to be uh, into the, uh, in the morning worship service where you preached kind of the first half, I believe there of Revelation 16. Last night you, you finished it off, but that's because I was teaching a membership information class, which we try to do monthly. We don't always get to do that, but for anybody who's been visiting our church and, uh, maybe they've recently been converted. 
Uh, we offer a, a membership information class and uh, people come to that. They learn about who we are, find out about uh, what we believe and how we put those things into practice. Right. And this morning, as we were discussing what we're going to talk about on the podcast, we talked about something that comes up every time that I teach that class, and that is church discipline, specifically uh, something that we call the sin of forsaken church. Right. And uh, just in a nutshell, uh, what we'll get into the biblical basis of this in just a moment, too. But when we talk about the practice that we call the sin of forsaken church, what is that? The biblical basis would be Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah. And to the Hebrews, the writer, we don't know who the human author was. The Holy Spirit's the ultimate author. Amen. But in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works, verse 24 of chapter 10. And then he says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hmm. And then he concludes it in verse 26 by saying, for, which is a conjunction, it mm -hmm. joins what he's about to say with what he just said. For if we sin willfully, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, mm -hmm. but a certain fearful looking of judgment and fiery indignation that will devour the adversaries. Mm. He says, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Listen to this. Yeah. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, counted mm. the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified an unholy thing, and done despite or has insulted the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. When he says not forsaking the assembling of the church together, then he says for yes. conjunction, which is the willful sin that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. The willful sin in view here yes. is forsaking the church. And he said God views that as trotting underfoot the Son of God, counting the blood of the covenant unholy, mm. and insulting the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. Brother Joe, I'm not aware of another sin in the Bible that has that attending offense to holy God. Yeah. Now, all sin is offensive to God, but what other sin carries that load of offense to God of us trampling Christ underfoot, despising the covenant with which we were sanctified, and insulting the Holy Spirit of God? That's right. God takes church membership faithfulness to church membership yes. very 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 serious mm -hmm. when i preached the text from ephesians on loving the local church i went back to chapter one paul to the saints in christ jesus at ephesus and to the faithful mm. so we're called to be in christ that's our salvation at ephesus that's our local address our local church mm -hmm. and at our local church in Christ at Ephesus were to be faithful mm -hmm. and church membership is so cheapened nowadays mm -hmm. you know m many churches don't even have church membership that's anymore. right it's just a big preaching point where people come together to you know sing some songs and hear a sermon mm -hmm. if they even hear that mm -hmm. and um, the Bible stresses, the importance, the, 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 the sanctity, the holiness of the local assembly and mm -hmm. being faithful to it. Mm -hmm. And so with that great burden of the Lord that he's placed upon us, we just 
decided years ago this would have been three decades for me mm-hmm. because every church I've been in, we, we you know we've practiced this except the first one when I was in seminary and I was leading them in that direction, but I was still young at this then. Um, we've always practiced uh, in my former churches and here discipline for the sin of forsaking yes. church. And I didn't say missing church, right? Because we can all miss. Sure. There are providential hindrances Absolutely. and people take vacations. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone, as it says in this text, that willfully, Willful. willfully despises the commandment of God to the forsaking of the local church. I mean, they are they're forsaking God's church. That's right. And I guess before we would even dive into the nuts and bolts and the process of how we do that here, it really does come under the banner of what you just said, and that's meaningful church membership. Yes. And one of the things you consistently uh, remind Ryan and I of is that this, that it's it's gatekeepers. It yes. starts there at the beginning, the right. front end of your church membership. We right. take that very seriously. We believe right. in genuine conversion, Yes. Uh, and we try to the best of our ability to determine whether or not it's been true. It's a true Baptismal counseling. Baptismal counseling. Um, and so even that membership process, we, we take that very seriously. It's meaningful. Yep. It actually means something. Yes. And then, of course, when you are a member, that there's meaning to that, too. There's rights. There's privileges that are involved there. There's responsibilities that Absolutely. are involved there. There's accountability. Brother Ryan recently, recently preached on iron sharpening iron. So man, one man sharpens another. And, and so there, there's that that's going on inside. It's a very intentional and meaningful church membership. And then, even on the tail end of it, it's a meaningful membership to the degree that we even will practice meaningful church discipline if necessary and if need be. I'll say this. It's impossible to have meaningful church membership without church discipline. Yeah. And I want to go one step further. It's impossible to be a true New Testament church without the practice of church discipline. Amen. This is clearly taught by none other than Jesus Christ mm-hmm. who shed his blood for the church, who loves the church. Yeah. These are the instructions that Jesus Christ gave for his church. Yeah. It's fundamental then to what it means to be a Christian and what it means to mm-hmm. be a disciple of Jesus Christ that you be in a local church accountable to the elders of that church yeah and that you're faithful in your service to Jesus through a local church. Hmm. You know, we, we theologically acknowledge, I guess for the sake of argument, that there is a universal church, sure. that a church of the saved down through the ages exists, yes. But in the New Testament, the church that's mentioned is always a local church. Where there's, I read it just this morning. I'm doing the read through the Bible. You know, I believe it was Paul to the church at Philippi, hmm. saints at Philippi in Christ Jesus with the bishops and deacons. Mm-hmm. That's a church. Mm-hmm. They're in a location. They're in a town. They assemble together. They have bishops and deacons, uh, elders over them that, that rule and lead, mm-hmm. deacons that serve. Mm-hmm. There's accountability. Yeah. And, and so meaningful church membership is just elementary to what the Bible teaches about Christianity, discipleship, following Jesus Christ. And I think that that's why one reason why some people balk at this a little bit is because we're living in a day and age where commitment to anything is pretty much non-existent. Well, I think the I think the struggle, brother Joe, for the church, not that we have a chip on our shoulders or an axe to grind, yeah. but I think the struggle for the church is consistently to not be leavened by the world. Yeah. 
That's Amen. the consistent struggle. That's the consistent pull. Hmm. And let's be honest, the pull is toward liberalism. The pull is toward, you know, wokeism. The pull is toward all of the deviancy that we see in our world nowadays. Yeah. And the, the, the struggle hmm. is to hold the line. Anchor. <laughs> to anchor down and anchor on Scripture. And, you know, brother, I used this in my sermon yesterday. Who, who would have believed even a few years ago that mainline Protestant denominations would be waffling on same-sex attraction. Right. Uh, but they are. Yes. And who would have believed that mainline Protestant, you know, evangelical churches would now be grappling with letting gays and lesbians hold membership in their church, but that's where we are. Pastorates. But the <laughs> Word of God is the same, brother. It does not change. That's right. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. And morals may, mores may change, norms may change, societal trends may change. Hmm. But, brother, our calling is fidelity hmm. to Jesus Christ and the Scripture that he revealed. Mm-hmm. We're going to stand before Christ and give an account to our Lord. Hmm. And I taught this at Holly Pond last week for two things. Number one, faith in Jesus. Yeah. And number two, fidelity to Jesus. Never separate those two. That's right. You cannot separate them. Faith in Jesus demands fidelity to Christ. Mm-hmm. And the only way I know to be faithful to him, brother, is to get in his word, mm-hmm. discover what he said. And Jesus said, do not forsake right. the assembly. Yeah. Don't do that. Some are in the habit of doing it, but don't you do it Mm -hmm. because this is a willful sin. And when you do it, you trot underfoot the Son of God, you count the blood unholy, and you insult the Holy Spirit. Mm. Jesus died for the church. Yeah. He loved the church and gave himself for her. Mm. And he takes it every bit as much personal when we dishonor his bride as you would if I dishonored Ashley. That's right. And obviously you know me well enough to know I wouldn't do that. Of course not. And how much more would I not want to dishonor Christ's bride, Mm -hmm. the church? But people are so flippant and careless and casual about the church nowadays. And your job and task as an elder and mine is to not allow that leavening force to become uh, a factor in our church. We have to hold the line where Jesus held it. Amen. And it's tough. It's, it's hard. hard to do, but it's worth it because Jesus is worthy of it. And that's something that you've continued to impress upon me for years and years. Jesus is worthy of this. Christ didn't call Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church to be like the world. Yeah. He called Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we fail at it. Sure. But we're to be salt and we're to be light. Mm-hmm. Light exposes, salt retards decay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know any way that a church can remain true to Christ the way membership roles are bloated. Yeah. Anybody that wants to join a church can. If they're living in open sin, they can. That's right. If they're in adultery, they can still be a member. If if they come out as transgendered, they can still be a member. If they come out as gay or lesbian, they can still be a member. If they're the town drunk. Yes. It's a mockery, brother. Yeah. And quite frankly, what's happening is the same thing that was happening in Corinth. Mm-hmm. That church allowed a man living in incest yeah. to be a member of their church. And the surrounding Gentiles were saying, wow, we don't even do that ourselves. Yeah. But you can go down there to the first church of Corinth and, and you can be involved in incest and still be a member. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- they were taking on the culture of Artemis and Diana yeah. and all the temple prostitution 
they did not have meaningful church membership. That's right. And and our job under Christ is not to placate the world, right? But to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who shed His blood for the church. I don't know any other way to pull that off than having a serious membership, which demands. And we're not super oppressive with it. We'll talk about the nuts and the bolts. Yeah. But we do have a standard. Yes. And we explain it to people right up front. That's right. They come into our church knowing mm-hmm. what, I hate to state it this way, the minimums sure. are. Yeah. And hopefully that's not where you live your life. Amen. Amen. But, but what the minimums mm-hmm. are to be a member of this church, mm-hmm. to be in good standing with this church. Yeah. And we've been doing it for so long that people now know this is who we are. Usually by the time they get here, they have a pretty good pretty idea. Pretty good handle on that. And in fact, I'd say more than that, they, they, they like that. They love that. They long for that. And that's why Let me here. just state for the record, that's why people are coming to Shelbyville Mills. Right. That's why they're coming. Right. They're coming because of who we are. Mm-hmm. Not y'all have a nice building or you got <laughs> catchy ministries for my children. Now, we, we have some good ministries for children. Mm-hmm. But people are coming because of who we are. They want a serious body. They want the preaching of the word. And I want to say to the pastor out there listening, you're going to receive a steady diet of being told that in order to grow, you have to compromise. Right. Well, you may, but it'll be the wrong kind of growth. It'll be the, you're, 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 you're weaving the noose that will hang you. That's right. But if you're true to the word and you stick to your guns, you're going to go through some lean seasons and you may go through some times where it's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. But God will begin to send you the right kind of people. Amen, brother. The people upon which he can build his church. And you don't get that if you compromise up front. You've got to stay true to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we practice and implement then would be sin a forsaken church right. to, to help us to do that. Yes. I'll give you an example of something that I experienced, and I think this will help us to kind of launch into the process and why, how we do it. Okay. My first pastorate, um, when I came to the church, uh, I was basically given a, 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 a copy of the church membership role, which I believe had about 250 names on there. And I'm just interested. How many were actually coming? Forty. 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 Now, that's on a Sunday morning, brother. That's a, and I want to just say for the record, that is a typical Baptist church. Yep. Sorry, but it is. That, it is. That's typical of the way Baptist churches operate. And here's what I was told when I was handed that membership role, that the majority of what you're going to find on here, that's your mission field. Yes. Yes. That's what I was told. Yeah. And that's typically how many operate, yep. that they're on the membership role. By the way, they have full rights of voting. Yes. They could come in and vote in or out a pastor. They could come in and vote in or out some type of a policy. They could change the direction of the church, some type of a doctrinal statement of any kind. They On, ha- on Wednesday, <clears throat> on behalf of Shelbyville Mills, I took um, Benjamin and Jada. I was so glad that it's hard for a mama five to get out. And yeah. so it blessed yeah. my heart that Jada was able to get out. And me and Brother Benjamin and Jada went to a Mexican restaurant and we ate. And I was just asking them some of these questions not with this podcast in view because I didn't know we were going to do this till t- this very morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jada just said, and, you know, it, it, it bears repeating. She said, Brother Jono, the night they voted on Benjamin, she said there was tons of people there I'd never even seen mm. that had not set foot in our churches. How many times, brother, mm-hmm. does a mean, nasty business meeting come up and the the man in town with the devil tongue yeah. goes out and gets everybody he can work up and whoop up to come down to the church to vote the preacher out. And they're not setting foot back in that church another day. Nope. But that that is one example of what careless church membership does. That's right. And one of the things that 
can help prevent that would be a practice of the Center Forsaken Church. As a footnote, let me say this. However many people you have on the membership of your church, that ought to be how many is attending. Amen. It ought to be very, very close. And I'll go one step further. That ought to be about how many is coming to small groups. And, and enrolled. If, if you're a healthy church. Amen. Because you're not emphasizing some things rightly that's if right. that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that when I first came here that absolutely surprised me, mm-hmm. that uh, what we saw in small groups was accurate. Pretty much what comes to church. It is. Yeah. And it's a joy. <laughs> it is a joy. <laughs> it's a joy because to see that. that's the way discipleship takes place. That's, that's exactly the way right. meeting needs takes place and ministry takes place. We're not perfect at it. Right. We fought. We just had an hour and a half long staff meeting this morning mm-hmm. discussing some of the places where we're failing, you know, yeah. and where we need to do better. But you're striving. You're always striving. And even though we're discussing this center forsaking church, it's not a perfect thing. No. You and I discussed this past week, mm-hmm. one that we baptized recently. Yeah. That we're going to have to deal with. Yeah. You know, it just there's no perfect system. Right. But all I know to do, brother, is to do my best to strive to please, to strive to please Jesus, mm-hmm. to be the church that He's died for us to be. Amen. So tell us a little bit about the process itself. Uh, what does it consist of? How often do you do it, or do we do it? Uh, what's it look like? I want to say there's some guys that'll be listening today, and I, I glory in this. That'll probably say, "Man, that's y'all are loose. Y'all are gracious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all are great. Uber gracious. Y'all are really, really gracious." But I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to be as gracious as we can. But, mm. um, first of all, and I did this for years. And now you're helping me, and I'm so very thankful, brother. I'm so thankful to have you. I thank God for you every day. I pray for you every day, um, and you are one of my best friends. It's such a joy to have you teaching that membership information class. So that's where we start. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach a membership mm-hmm. information class once a month, which you alluded to. Mm-hmm. And in the course of that class, we explain to them right up front that we are a church that purposes to practice church discipline. And the, basically the way that manifests itself is if you're living a scandalous life of that's sin right. that's bringing reproach on the name of Jesus Christ, you can expect that there will be church discipline. Absolutely. Or if you forsake the assembly. Yep. And the Bible doesn't define for us, okay, when you reach this threshold right here, you've forsaken the assembly. That's right. So it is up to each individual local church to define what forsaking the church is. And that's difficult and it's hard. Yeah. We err on being super gracious. Now, when I first started out, our our threshold was mm. six months. That if you haven't been in a small group or a worship service in six months, you have forsaken the assembly. And I wouldn't say that that's probably, that's probably true. It, I, I, it is. Right. I mean, if a person has missed six months, we've got a major problem. Amen. But through the years, we, we've moved that now to where, you correct me, but I think we're now kind of like at a year. At a year, yes. Sir. That if, if you haven't been in, which I think is very liberal, mm-hmm. if, if you haven't been in a worship service in a year, uh, and remind me to talk about small groups, brother, just jot that down so yeah. I won't forget that and how that ties in. But if you haven't been in a worship service in a year, then what's going to happen, brother, is we've already been in dialogue with your small group leader to see if you've been in small groups. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk with your small group leader. We're going to call them in and say, hey, what's going on? What do you know? What are we facing here? Long before a year. Yes. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, at a year we start trying to figure all this out. No, we've been 
looking and talking, staff meetings, shepherding, small groups have been discussing it. We've been discussing it in pastor's deacons meetings. Yeah. This never happens without a pastor's deacons meeting, of course. Amen. And, and, um, and uh, it's come to the conclusion this person has indeed mm-hmm. forsaken the assembly. Mm-hmm. We try to go see them. We try to make a physical yeah. uh, contact with them to find out, okay, where are you? And a lot of times that's when they'll say, you know, yeah, I'm gone. I'm not coming back, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah. If we can't reach them that way, we send them a self-addressed stamped letter, a letter saying to them, as best our records indicate, it's been this long since you were in a worship service. Mm-hmm. And if it, it, it's our desire for you to remain a member. So right. please fill out the self-addressed stamped card, mail it back to the church. And on that, it, it says, my desire is to remain a member. And if they check that, even if they hadn't been here, then we're not going to remove them because we see that there's a desire. Mm-hmm. We're going to follow up, yeah. try to find out what's going on and try to reintegrate them back into body life. Mm-hmm. If they mark, you know, I've left and I'm not coming back or if they don't respond. Right. Or then, if they've even joined another church. If, right. Yeah. Well, if we if we Got make it. dialogue with them and they've united with another church that's sloppy on membership and doesn't let us know, yeah. then we just acknowledge they've joined another church and we just it's not a discipline issue not we at just all. we just take them off the roll but to those that tell us they're not coming back or mm-hmm. think about this for just a moment they don't care enough about their church membership they don't care enough about their church membership to return a self-addressed stamped card yeah. indicating their desire then we set a date and it's usually once a year mm-hmm. And like I remember six months ago mm-hmm. in pastor's deacons meetings, yeah. you brought the first list yeah. to the body of, of leaders of our church of what the Center for Shaking Church was going to be. Mm-hmm. And we have worked on that for six months up until our very last meeting just a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. where we where we contacts were made, calls were made, y'all made reports. I talked to her. I talked to him. I talk, they're going over here now. They've joined over here yeah. until we got it down to where we are now. I think we have a list of about 15 yeah, something like that. Some, 10 of 15. people yeah. that it's obvious they've forsaken the church. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. They, they won't respond. It's obvious they've forsaken the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. And our next church business session, which will be in January. Yes, sir. Their names will be read before the body. And a vote will be taken, mm-hmm. and everyone that we've ever had has been 100% unanimous. Mm-hmm. And they they will be formally removed from our church. And by the way, let's tie this back into the Lord's Supper. We started out yes. talking about the Lord's Supper. It's yeah. excommunication. Yes. They're removed from the privileges of coming to the Lord's table. Yeah. They've made it clear that they're out of communion with Christ, mm-hmm. and then they're out of communion with us. So they're removed from communion, and they're removed from the membership of the church, and so that's kind of it in a nutshell. I'm, I'm, I, you know, maybe left some steps out. We we really do our due diligence. If a person's in the military, we got three or four guys that are in the military, yeah. and they're going to be away for a good while. Yeah. Well, we we understand that. There's we're, grace. There's grace there. Yeah. You know, we're not hard nosed about this. <laughs> But we're trying to find people that have willfully, that's the key word, willfully forsaken the, the church. And when we find that, we 
understand that we're under divine obligation of the holy word of God mm -hmm. to remove that person from our membership because they're doing what Hebrews 10, 24 through 29 says. Yeah. And oftentimes we get good reports. Lots of times. That we just weren't even aware of. And that's happened, in fact, this, this time, time. we had more good reports than we did bad reports. We really did. And it was it, very encouraging. It was. And there was an opportunity there to continue on with some uh, further counsel and some shepherding there. And it was just, it was good to hear where they are and what they're doing now. L let me just say for the record, I'm moving a little beyond the scope of what we're talking about here, but I want to just say this for the record. And, and this needs to be preached and taught. When, when you leave a church on legitimate grounds, yeah. you're transferred, you move. I'm not talking about you're huffy and puffy and you got mad and left. <laughs> But I'm talking about when you leave a church, like we discovered several this this time, that moved one to college, one to a college town. Career one to change. Career change. Sure. They had a transfer, whatever. It's a legitimate mm -hmm. move. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what I'd say. Now, I'm not talking about knee jerk. You need to be discerning. But you should join a biblical church as soon as reasonably possible. I'm this should not that. drag on, brother. That's right. This should not drag on to months yeah. and, and, and years. Mm. I understand it's hard to find a church, but you do the best you can yeah. to find a church that's preaching the Word. Amen. And you should unite with that body as soon as you possibly can. I'm glad you said that because that was a lot of what some of the, the council was, that uh, we would find somebody who had moved because of career, family, other things. And you're exactly right. That needs to be the number one priority. You know, people will say something to me, and I, I understand what they're saying, and I, I appreciate it. They're kind to say this. I just, I just can't find a church like Shelbyville Mills. Yeah. Well, that, you know what? You find the best church you can. Yeah. And the, you don't sit at home and pout and act holier than thou. There's no church out there holy enough for me. Amen. You might have to find a church that's not everything that you wish it were. Mm -hmm. But here's what I'd say. The one of those nine marks, which is indispensable right up front, is expository preaching. Amen. I would not compromise on that. Yeah. That's one I would not compromise on. But I tell you what, if I found a church where there was a faithful expositor in the pulpit, I would know in my mind, in time, it's going to filter down to everything else. Amen. And I would be able to join that church and pledge my support to that pastor Amen. and stand with him and help him. Yeah. That's a, that's a far much better course than being disobedient to Jesus by forsaking the assembly by being lazy and not joining a church. Which is really what it turns into. It does. Whether it's sloppy or whatever or mm -hmm. not, it's 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 disobedience. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Let me back up just a little bit here. You, uh, let's talk about how this ties into small groups. Well, the reason I said that, because I knew I would forget it, and thank you for helping me, <clears throat> we've had a couple of people through the years that if, you know, the flesh can operate in any system, brother. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, there is no foolproof system, and I think the Lord ordained it that way to keep us dependent upon Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, otherwise we just get comfortable with our systems and make an idol out of them. Mm -hmm. And that's not my heart at all. Amen. And we've had to learn and retool through the years that sometimes what will happen, and this just recently happened with us last year. You know what I'm about to refer to. Yeah. We had an elder gentleman in our church that from, I mean, tw the whole 23 years I've been here, obstinate. Yeah. Uh, strife spreader, uh, discord spreader, yeah. um, and a powder, <laughs> and and he would go to his small group class, but he wouldn't come to church intentionally. Mm -hmm. he, 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 you know, every week he would leave, and he would let let everybody know, you know, I come to Sunday school, or small groups as we call it, but I ain't going to hear that man preach. Mm -hmm. I'm not going. 
you know, and, and brother, I'll be honest with you. It's okay. We were gracious, but sure. we let that go on way too long. Yeah. I think to the point where we were in sin, mm-hmm. we let that go on way, way, way too long. And we had meeting about it after meeting about it after meeting about it. And finally, and you know, your sanctification is progressive and churches go through that as well as individuals. Right. We just kind of as a group discovered, you know what, we're missing something here. Mm-hmm. And that is the admonition is not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Right. And as small as, as important as small groups are in our church and very, very important. Mm-hmm. Just attending a small group does not constitute church membership. That's right. Church membership is very specified in the Word of God. Mm. And so here's what I'm saying. If we discover that there's a disgruntled member that's trying to do an end around the elders, trying to do an end around the pastors, trying to do an end around the deacons, trying to do an end around the authority that God has laid down in this church, by going to small groups while of avoiding, you know, the assembling of the church under the preaching of the word, we're going to deal with that person too, because that's equally sin. And so I just want to be careful to say the the flesh will always try to find a way. Yeah. You know, Satan is smart enough and cunning enough that he can find holes in, in, in our system and he frequently does. Mm-hmm. And the best I know to do is when we discover a leak, just patch it. That's right. That's the best I know to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um this may this is obviously a this is probably a, a podcast in and of itself. Sure. But you brought up two things concerning church authority. Right. And uh and and that may be like I said that may be a podcast that needs to be reserved unto itself, but there is a very real sense in which we're seeing frequently that there's a lot of folks that don't think that the church the pastors, the leaders have any authority at all in their life. Then they need to go join another church. Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church is not for them. Right. I say that unapologetically. Right. There's a thousand other churches out there then that you can go and join. Mm-hmm. Godspeed. Yeah. I mean, with our blessing, but it ain't here. Yeah. Um, and that's because of the New Testament, brother. I stand on solid New Testament footing. Now you've been around me long enough. I've been doing this for thirty-four years. Twenty-three of them here. Mm-hmm. I don't, brother. I, I don't draw. I try not to draw attention to myself. I'm not one of these guys on an authority kick, you know, tyrant I'm, or something I, crazy uh, like that. Bro, that's no. not the way we roll. Right. But the Bible has invested in me and you, elders, pastors, bishops, whatever term you want to put on them. Yeah. Authority. To rule. Mm-hmm. That's the word the Bible uses. Now, we're loving about that, but Amen. the authority, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the supreme authority. Under him, he has given us to give oversight, it says, yeah. to shepherd the flock of God. Yeah. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, obey them that have the rule over you. Now, not this is not Jono out there passing Jono edicts <laughs> that everybody has to bow down and agree to my personal preferences. This is insofar as I say and can substantiate, thus saith the Lord, from the 66 books of the Bible. Yeah. See, that's the authority. Mm-hmm. If I'm leading by the Word of God, then the congregation is under divine command of God mm-hmm. to follow the scriptural leadership that that is given to them. That's right. And then beyond that, I would say, and this isn't a podcast, there, there is, though, something about right, proper, and just honor yes. of the office and the man who holds the office. Mm-hmm. This is a God-called brother that mm-hmm. the Lord has called to preach the word in his church. That's right. And, and when someone manifests rebellion to that, 
they're showing you right up front that they're going to be trouble. That's right. That they're going to be a problem. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and I will say this, brother, it's not a foolproof system. There is no foolproof system. Like mm. I said, Satan can find an entrance anywhere. He does here regularly. Yeah. He does here routinely. Mm-hmm. And that keeps us humble and dependent upon, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But but brother, when when a person is is showing rebellion to authority when they're when they're bucking against the God-ordained authority that God has placed in his church. They're showing you right up front they're going to be divisive. They're yep. going to be a, a strife spreader. Mm-hmm. They're going to be use of Satan to try to sow discord among brethren, which thing God hates. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and I would say this, it's not a foolproof system, but now with 34 years of experience of doing this, mm-hmm. almost 34, um, it gets less and less and less mm. because of the wonderful gift of church discipline. Yeah. Uh, these practices have a way of weeding some of those tears out. Yeah. And of deflecting some of those goats mm-hmm. to where this is a sheep farm mm-hmm. and not a goat farm right that this is a wheat farm and not a tear farm mm-hmm. now the enemy still sows them sure but but these practices are used of the holy spirit to purify his bride mm-hmm. and to purify the lord's table and to create a unity and a love among the brothers which simply isn't possible when we're oil and water that's right when we have this loosey-goosey non-meaningful church membership that anybody chainsaw murderer yeah. can be a, a holder of membership in the average average baptist church <laughs> it, it just elevates what christ does in his word about the importance mm. of belonging to and being faithful to a new testament church and being under the authority and the leadership of the pastors and elders that he's ordained in authority over that church mm-hmm. to the local church to the local church <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah One last thing, and I'll just bring this up briefly, but uh, how does, and, you know, we hold to congregational polity. Right. And uh, how do those things relate there together? I will say you did even bring up the example already, just an example of how it it works out, is that after that work has done in the Center for Sacred Church process, we bring those names, those folks before the entire congregation, congregation, and they vote. The people that assemble yeah, pass judgment, and people are gonna run with that. But they pass biblical judgment on those who have forsaken the assembly. Yeah, yeah. The authority is invested by God in His church, mm. and so we vote on it, and uh, we have a show of hands. You raise your hand. That's right. A uh, motion is made, and uh, uh, we explain like, okay, here's the names on the list. Here's how we got here, and we explain all that we went through, the ones that we've called, the ones we've been discussing. But here are the ones that, as best we can ascertain, that have forsaken the assembly. Yeah. And then we call for a vote, and the church votes and expresses its will to remove them from our membership. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't call it elder discipline. Right, right. We don't call it pastor discipline. Mm. It's called church discipline. That's right. It's the church body that brings discipline on the sinning member. Mm. And the elders oversee it. Maybe we have to do some of the legwork, but it's the church that has the ultimate authority to remove someone. Hmm. And that's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, the next time you assemble together, the next time you assemble together. That's why Jesus said, tell it to the church. Sorry, I tapped on the table, but I'm making a point. (laughs) You tell it to the church. Yeah. And um, the church it says you're to then treat that person as a 
heathen mm-hmm. as a tax collector. You're right. a, Paul said in First Corinthians, put away from yourselves that wicked person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just valuing what Jesus values. It's mm-hmm. treasuring what Jesus treasures. It's holding the standard Christ laid down. And look, not being intimidated right. and leavened by the world, yeah. not allowing the wokeism of our culture to drive what we do in our local churches. Or this weenie hypersensitivity. That's, Boy, you said it. My goodness. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, Amen. and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Amen. The, the, the church should be radically different from the world, and it seems to me that churches are doing everything they can nowadays to be like the world. Yeah. But, brother, our chief aim is to be like Jesus Christ. That's right. And we're to be the pillar and the support of the truth. You know, Mark Dever's done a good job mm-hmm. in his book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. I personally believe it to be one of the best books out there on what a healthy church is, how it functions. And he says what we believe, that church discipline is is a key factor absolutely to a church being a healthy church that's right i forget who said it but somebody said when church jail dag leaves the church so does jesus yeah yeah he was one of the i think the first writing systematic theologian in baptist in life. southern in baptist life yes Amen. but and he said when discipline leaves the church jesus goes with it well look at the fruit look, i mean look at our churches look that's at the right. state of the church in america when a when a when a church has to have a symposium mm. on can a woman be a pastor when a church has to have a, a symposium on uh, can gays and lesbians be members of good standing in a church, it just lets you know we're not we're not being driven by the word anymore. We've been we're being driven by our culture. That's right. That is unthinkable. Yeah. To the foundation of the church, which is apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Yeah. We we look. We don't have our finger run up in the air. <laughs> To see which way the wind's blowing. Yeah, that is not what we do. We don't do market surveys to find out what our community wants and then be that. We go to the scripture. Yeah, and we purpose in our hearts as and we fail. Mm-hmm. But our desire is to be thoroughly biblical. Amen. And not just say we believe the Bible, which Baptists are very fond of doing that, mm-hmm. but actually having methodologies that are driven by Scripture. That's right. I've always said you can preach just about anything you want to in a Baptist church, but try applying it. That's the rub. That's the rub. And the goal is to actually not just preach it, but to then apply it. Be ye doers of the Word. That's right. Amen. Not forgetful hearers. That's right, brother. Well, thank you so much for leading Shelbyville Mills, a Baptist church, in this direction. Can I say one thing about that, brother? Yeah. I'm grateful for you and Joshua sitting over there and Ryan mm-hmm. and our deacons and all of our staff and secretaries and what would I, the entire church. Mm-hmm. Thank God. you know. But in those early days, it was not so. This was me versus everybody. Yeah. Now, let me be fair. When the pulpit committee of Shelby, I still have the original sheet where I answered their theological questionnaire. The original one they gave me that I wrote out, I still have it in my file. I kept it for this very purpose of which I'm about to say right now. Hmm. I told them right up front that if you call me to be your pastor, we will practice church discipline. And specifically, we will practice discipline for the sin of forsaking church. And they called me here with that understanding. Amen. Now, several years went by before the church was healthy enough to do it. Yeah. Uh, but 
I never wavered from that. And I want to say to the pastor listening, early on, mm-hmm. you have to take some stands kind of solo and, and lead. Mm-hmm. You know, you need God give you wisdom to know how to do that. That's right. But in time, others will see the truth mm-hmm. and they'll join in with you and you won't be alone anymore. But there's no amount of pressure or intimidation or fear That's right. that should silence a man of God and mm-hmm. keep him from doing what he knows the Scripture teaches. Mm-hmm. Even if it's baby steps, yeah. in those first years, you need to begin teaching that congregation and leading them in, in the way you know the Word of God. How in the world could you live with yourself mm-hmm. knowing the Bible clearly teaches something and you not doing it? That's right. I mean, it's fine to be patient. Right, but it, but there's a point at which, brother, you you've got to you you've got to that's right do what the scriptures command. And the key, and you've taught us for years, is before you even enter into it, you better have these convictions nailed down. And that's how you came here. Yeah, with that already nailed down, it may be I need to preach it first. I need the church needs to be ready for it. But guys, this is where we're going. Well, the beautiful thing about the Anchored in Truth Network mm-hmm. is that while you may be somewhat alone in your local church and the locale you're serving, there's a whole world full of pastors that have done it and Mm -hmm. resources that are available, counsel to help you, hands to hold, uh, arms to be thrown around your shoulders to hold you up and help you walk through these things. If you're alone and isolated, that is not where God wants you to be. You need to reach out to brothers that have been there and been through the fire and, and, and have lived on the other side of it that can help you navigate don't try to do this alone. Amen. You know, seek out godly counsel to help navigate you through it. Amen. And that may be bringing us to a good place where we can uh, bring this podcast to a close. And so, brother, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we close out? Maybe just one more thing. Mm-hmm. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare, but whoso trusts in the Lord will be safe. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, if, if you're ever going to be a man of God, if you're ever going to lead with decisive leadership, you've got to get over fear. Fear has done in many a would-be man of God. Mm. And um, I understand it's it's an unsettling thing. I I understand how disturbing it can be, you know, to lead in these things. But your fear has to be of God. Amen. Your your fear of God has to be greater than your fear of man, or you're going to constantly be ensnared and and polarized, I mean, excuse me, paralyzed. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just going to be shut down and not accomplish much. And so I remember my very first church discipline case. It was so crystal clear. I had preached, I had preached these principles. And we, my church in Alabama, we had a woman caught in the very act of adultery. And she was defiant, unrepentant, in your face with it. Mm. And I called Brother Jeff up one day, and this is what he said. He said, Brother, he said, you've painted yourself into a corner. That's right. He said, you've so preached the Word of God, you only have one way to go. And this is what he said. Now get over your fear and go out there and do what's right. Amen, brother. And he hung up. Mm. And, brother, I just knew right then, you know, I, I've got two choices here. I can obey God or I can be exposed as a phony. Mm. And I just, as a kid, decided to obey God and and somehow survived. And um, so you have to get over fear. That's That'd right. be my admonition. That's right. And there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Well, it says here, Whoso trusts in the Lord will be safe. Yeah. The true safety is not saving your skin. That's right. The true safety is in obeying Jesus. That's it. That's right. And we invite you that if you've got questions about this, if this is something that's a new topic to you, please give us a, a call. Give us a, Send us an email. 
Uh, you can contact me at www, or excuse me, uh, brojo at smbconline.com. We'd love to hear any questions you've got. If you just need to seek some counsel on this issue or any other, or if you just got feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, we're going to sign off with a hearty Merry Christmas, and we love you very much. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Giano's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Giano Sims.